This is the Spirit Truth Podcast, conversations to equip worship teams and songwriters. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Spirit Truth Podcast. My name is James, and I'm your host. And today, I'm actually your guest as well. I know it sounds weird. So I usually, with this podcast, interview somebody, uh, and I really love that. I love having somebody opposite me, somebody who's usually got a lot more experience than me, or somebody who's just got a different angle uh, to me, and just having conversations and, and learning from one another. But today, it's just me, sitting all on my own in a little room. Um, but I'm really amped for the topic of this. Um, I'm going to be talking through a corporate worship feedback form for you, with you. And so, if at all possible for you to, to have the form with you while you're listening to this, it would be great. You can find the, the link to download it in the description of the podcast. And now, I, I need to give you a heads up. Nobody loves likes feedback forms, right? Nobody likes uh, the, the thought of being assessed. Uh, and so I have to say from the beginning, this is not at all the heart behind this, this feedback form. Uh, I think especially we have, it's so easy for us to fall into that performance culture where we feel we need to live up to some expectation. Uh, and especially, let's be honest with what we see on YouTube today. There's just so many great church bands and they make it look so easy and professional. And us in our local congregations, we, we sometimes feel like we don't quite, you know, make the mark. Uh, we, we're missing it because we, we don't have voices like that or technology like that. And that's not at all the heart behind this, this episode. Um, I'm so aware that all of us who, who serve in worship teams, we've, or most of us, we're, we're volunteers. We're doing this and we're doing this as worship. We're doing this because we've got a desire to give something to God, something that's from our hearts. Uh, and so I, I really try within my own worship team um, to, to just cut out that any performance culture or need to perform or to, to compare ourselves to, to others. Um, but all that said, I have been involved with worship for a long time and I've seen that sometimes it's the small things that make big differences. And some examples, you know, as a worship leader, the way that you welcome the people at the beginning and the way that you communicate, you know, whether you can be, if you can hear that you're on, this, on the front of house and if you're not, then to speak slower and to articulate more, you know, small things like being aware of these kinds of things, communication and the way that we, uh, we, the way that we express ourselves in worship or, uh, you know, not having distractions with the sound, uh, small little things can make a big difference to somebody who's on the receiving end of our ministry. And so as we're going to go through this form, we're going to go through about 11 different areas that you can consider uh, within your worship team and within your church. I want you to think about the last time you were on for worship, the last time you were part of a worship team, uh, or maybe you, you're not involved in the worship team. Just think maybe about uh, your, your own church's worship team and consider, you know, did I actually think about that? Uh, should I think about this that James is discussing, uh, some of these points? Um, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions because the form is basically just a whole lot of questions. Uh, and you can decide for yourself, is this something that we need to consider? Is this something we should be asking ourselves? Um, and then to kind of make a note 
of, of things that we can possibly improve on. Now, I've said um, we're going to look at 11 different areas. That's, that's a lot of areas. And there's a bunch of questions. And uh, I don't, the last thing I want is for you to feel overwhelmed and think, oh, no, I've never thought about 90% of these things. Um, I think in reality, you would have thought of most of them. Um, but it's just this form is to, to help put it down on paper uh, and not for you to be overwhelmed, but to say, okay, let's trust God that in these one or two areas, we can we can make some improvements and we can be more intentional. Uh, again, this is not for a performance culture. This is not for any human pride reasons. It's because we want to bring our best to God in worship. And we want people to encounter Him without distraction, right? That is our goal, is that as we facilitate worship, that people wouldn't be distracted. Cool. So let's get into the form. If you don't have it with you, uh, it's not a problem. I'll, I'll be speaking through it, obviously. Uh, and so right at the top there, I've got a note there where I just I really encourage uh, worship team leaders, pastors, if you, if you speak about these kinds of things within your team, let's create a culture of an encouragement and inspiration. And let's first celebrate what God is doing before we, can look, before we look at what can be improved upon. A friend of mine said it well. He said, focus on the wow before you focus on the how. <laughs> and I think that's really great because it's so easy for us to focus on, oh, we need to get this right and this right and this right. But let's first celebrate what is God doing in our midst. Uh, and then this form will hopefully help you to, to find areas that you can celebrate and then also areas uh, where you can have discussions. Hopefully this will spark some discussions. What are some of the things that we can, we can do to, to improve? Um, and also, if you're giving feedback, how you give feedback is really important. <laughs> so my heart is definitely not that you, you kind of go through this form and you rate your worship leader and you hand them a, a filled out form and say, okay, here's the way I feel you need to improve. Uh, no, it's just, it's more for you to have all the info in one place and then you, you kind of summarize that. For us as worship teams, what, what are some of the things we can celebrate and where are some of the areas we can we can improve. Uh, it's really important that as leaders, we communicate both vision, which is, you know, this is where we're going. This is where we believe God wants us to go, but also the values, how are we going to get there? So we need to communicate values like uh, non-performance and encouragement and upliftment and esteeming one another, honoring one another, you know, having patience with one another, having worship team be a place where people can make mistakes. Those types of things. All right, let's jump in. Uh, the first one, the first area we're going to look at is the worship environment. And with each area that we're going to look at, I'm going to read just a, a little principle that kind of will maybe shed some more light on, on what I mean by, for instance, worship environment. So the principle here is that we want to create a warm, inviting atmosphere of hospitality where everyone feels welcome to partake in the service. I had a great chat with uh, Tosca um, when we spoke about production teams. So please go and listen to that podcast. There was a few episodes back uh, and we covered a lot of this there. But it's practical things, guys, that can make huge difference. For instance, was the lighting appropriate? You know, uh, it, something like harsh lights overhead can really <laughs> make it uh, difficult to engage in worship because you just feel like every everything is exposed and there's, you know, there's not that warm atmosphere. There's a reason when you have people over for supper, you dim the lights or you light some candles because you're wanting to create a warm and inviting environment. So think about the lighting in your church. How can that be uh, 
appropriate and also not so dark that, you know, people can't read their Bibles if they want to read scripture in worship or, or something like that. Secondly, was the stage neat? You know, was the sound equipment set up neatly? Were the cables? <laughs> I've been in so many events where, you know, there's cables running everywhere and it's just, it, it creates chaos for the band. And I think that sometimes translates in the music as well. Um, but it also communicates something if we, if our, the stage area is really well ordered. Uh, and also things like, you know, no personal belongings, no rubbish lying around. The band hasn't left their water bottles or bags or, or bass guitar cases, you know. Sorry, bass guitarists, I'm not trying to and uh, single you out, but we, we, we're aware that the stage communicates something about what we value and we value people and we want them to come into a beautiful environment. Uh, so so the, the bottom line is, does the visual space, and that includes all the decor, everything you, you, that you put up there, does it reflect our values? Oh, something else, was the venue sufficiently heated or cooled or aired? And that might sound really trivial. Uh, but, you know, in winter, we ideally would want, uh, you know, some warmth. And in summer, we would want it uh, at least a bit cooler uh, or aired. You know, sometimes you walk into a venue and it's just really damp or it's just really um, dusty. And that could have been solved by just opening the doors or opening all the windows a few hours before people arrive so that, you know, the, the space is prepared for them. Okay, so that was the first area that we looked at. Second one, called introduction, because I didn't really know what else to call it. Um, but the principle here is we want to create an environment where we honor one another by our punctuality <laughs> and the way we communicate. All right, so this starts basically from the time that the, the sound team or the band arrives. Especially, did they arrive on time? You know, how, whether you're going to be on time for something says a lot about how you prioritize that thing. And so I, I really believe it's important that we as worship teams have a culture where we arrive on time. And, but beyond that, we don't just arrive on time, we finish rehearsal on time. In other words, preferably before the doors open, because uh, depending on your venue and, you know, whether you, some, some churches just have people walking in while the band is still practicing, and that's fine. Uh, I prefer within our context, um, to, to have the doors closed so that when people walk in, they walk into a nice, calm, neat, you know, environment and they can prepare their hearts for worship. They're not hearing the band saying, oh, remember the four, or the drummer, like sound checking, you know, uh, all of that impacts them. So uh, I want them to walk into a, a prepared space. So then that means we need to finish rehearsal on time. Uh, and then it also means we need to, as a band, walk onto the stage five minutes before the service. We can't be walking on at nine o'clock if the service starts at nine, because then you're not going to be starting at nine. Then did the worship leader or the service host, sometimes it's uh, a church will assign somebody other than the worship leader to do this. Did they clearly, lovingly and joyfully welcome the congregation at the beginning of the service? This is one of the biggest things uh, as worship leaders, uh, I see it all, all over, you know, Sometimes worship leaders are maybe just nervous. And so at the beginning of the service, it will be kind of like a mumbled, let's stand together. Uh, and then off we go into worship. But that doesn't really sit, you know, that doesn't create the space for people to feel welcome and to feel invited and to feel celebrated. And so I would say make a big deal about the way that you welcome people. Speak clearly, speak slowly. 
uh, and speak lovingly, speak with joy, remind your face that it's a joyful thing. You've, I know you've been awake since 5 a.m. because you had to be there early for practice, but these, uh, these people in front of you, you, you're here to serve them. And so remind your face to smile as you're welcoming them into church. And then invite them to stand and also uh, open the session in prayer. You know, often worship leaders will just start without something as practical saying, let's all stand together. And from my experience, people generally need to hear that a few times. You know, half of them don't hear you. So it takes repetition. It takes speaking slowly. Sometimes takes you know, even going, shh, you know, just to kind of, if you need to get people's attention, I know it's not ideal to shush people. You don't want to sound like a school teacher, um, but to do it in a loving way so that there's, there's order established at the beginning of the service. And of course, starting with prayer, I really, <laughs> definitely, that is a must. Um, you know, let's, let's remind people with prayer who this is for and why we're here. All right, the next area we're going to look at is the musicians. And the principle here is that we want to inspire people to worship by the way that we worship. Nice and simple. We want to inspire people to worship by the way that we worship. And so here's a few practical things. Firstly, did the musicians adhere to the congregation's dress code? Ooh, that's sometimes a, a tough one. But, you know, the way that we dress, uh, it communicates something about what we value. And it communicates something about the way we see the people in front of us. And so if we're going to dress neatly and if we're going to dress, you know, so that we won't be a stumbling block or, you know, if I'm there with my shorts and my vest and uh, not that I wear vests, but if I'm dressed really casually, um, that's fine, but it doesn't really communicate that I value what we are there to do. Uh, so that's why just putting some thought into dress codes and you as a team need to decide on what is your dress code going to look like uh, and then stick to that. And secondly, were the musicians smiling, friendly and engaging? And again, you guys have been there since 5 a.m. You're maybe a bit nervous. Nerves do terrible things to the face. You suddenly become, uh, look very unfriendly, uh, to put it nicely. So we need to remind ourselves to constantly uh, smile and to to express what it is that we're singing. You know, if we're singing about, oh, happy day, let's express that with our faces. And then the last one for this section is, did the musicians inspire the congregation to worship by expressing themselves in worship? You know, we, we so many times we, we want to see the congregation express themselves with raising hands or clapping or dancing. But we've got to ask ourselves, if we don't do it as the band, how can we expect the congregation to do it? And so sometimes it's practical, you know, sometimes everybody on stage is playing an instrument so they can't raise hands. And then there's maybe one singer who doesn't have an instrument. I want to say it's up to you to, to raise your hands because you're the only one who's able to do it. Uh, and you're, in this way, you're inspiring those in the congregation to raise their hands to God. All right, so that's speaking about the musicians. I'm going through this quite quickly uh, because I don't want this to be too long an episode and I hope it's not too overwhelming for you. But again, if you don't have the, the form with you, you can always go and download it afterwards and, and, and have a read through it. The next section we're going to look at is the music. And I, I, I really, I like this principle. It says that our commitment to excellence reflects our understanding of God's excellence. And then it expands on that a bit. Since he gave his best with extravagance, 
we want to give our best with extravagance out of a thankful heart. I think that for me is the most uh, concise way that I can say why excellence is important. We're not excellent because we want to be better than somebody or because we compare ourselves to somebody, but we're excellent because God is excellent. God gives his best. We give our best out of thanksgiving. And so some questions to ask is were the musicians well prepared for the individual parts? Uh, you know, did, they, did the drummer come having listened to the audios and prepared according to the audios? Did the electric guitarist know the riffs he was supposed to play? Uh, did the worship leader know the words? Things like that are, are important uh, because preparation helps us to be more relaxed so that we can actually engage in worship and not just stress about the music. Secondly, was there clear communication between the worship leader uh, and or the music director and the rest of the band so that the entire band was in sync. You know, communication between bands, between band members is, it's not an easy thing. It doesn't come naturally, uh, especially because we're all from such different backgrounds. We don't jam together several times a week uh, like most bands. It's actually a bit of a miracle when you think about it, all these people from different backgrounds coming together to worship on a Sunday. Uh, and so it's important to work on our communication and you can look at whether any rhythm problems, you know, whether instruments are out of sync or whether any pitch problems with, you know, vocals singing off key or instruments being out of tune. Oh, guitarists, uh, people call me um, OCT, which is obsessive compulsive tuner. You know, like it's something so easy as just making sure your guitar is in tune according to a tuner and according to ear, because sometimes tuners aren't uh, all that accurate. Uh, and doing it often, you know, finding space in, in the set to be able to, to tune your guitar. It makes a big difference, please, for my sake, do it. Um, but, you know, being aware of rhythm or pitch problems that can be addressed lovingly. Pitch is a difficult one. Uh, nobody likes to be told that they, they sang off, off pitch. Um, I do it all the time. So I've just, you know, you, learn, you need to learn where are the moments where I go off key and how can I, how can I improve my voice so that I, I don't do it as much as, you know, I would if it was just raw singing. Then to ask, did the band flow subtly between the different sections of the songs and between songs, you know, avoiding dead breaks or awkward silences? Again, this is something easy is to, uh, to, to change, is to, to, in rehearsal time, speak about how are we going to flow from this song to the next song? Because when a song just ends and then there's a dead break and then that three or five seconds that feels like three or five minutes. Uh, it's just, it's awkward. Um, and so it's important to, to discuss how we're going to flow, especially if there's different keys involved or different time signatures, that stuff needs to be practiced. Um, and of course, I'm not mentioning, I'm not re referring to intentional moments of silence. I really believe in intentional moments of silence. Uh, but that kind of needs to be communicated that let's be silent now so that people don't think Oh, the band forgot their song or they forgot their key. And then the last one in the section is, is was there like a musician, like a keyboardist to play subtly during the quiet moments, like the welcome and announcements? Again, something very simple. But usually in most churches, uh, in my context, uh, you know, there'll be one or two songs and then a break for announcements. And if the band just stops playing there, it, it kind of feels a bit awkward. Uh, so I always, I usually pick my guitar in that moment just so there's a little bit of background music uh, or I'll ask a keyboardist if they can just play very subtly, you know, not play some Chopin or something, just something very chilled in the background. All right, let's move on 
to something I'm very passionate about, which is song choice. I've already had a, a podcast with uh, Dr. Cornet Becker about this, so I really encourage you to go and listen to that. But the principle here is that songs shape our theology, often more than sermons. And so we choose our songs with careful thought and with prayer. So something we can ask about, think about the, the last time you were on for, for worship or the last time you were in church for a worship service. Uh, some, th- some of the things you can think about with regards to the song choice. Firstly, was the theology of the songs biblical? You didn't want, with, you didn't want any vague or potentially misleading lyrics there. I've said that often um, that we don't have the luxury of creating context for songs. And so we can't have lyrics there that are open for interpretation. It needs to be solid theology. Um, then a bit of more of a practical question is, was the song choice appropriate for the band's skill level? Uh, in other words, was the band able to execute the songs? And, and this, is a, this is a tough one because, you know, a lot of modern songs that are coming through, they're played by huge bands. There's so much production that goes into them. There are seven guitar layers and 12 keyboard layers there. And now you want to try and do that song with, uh, you know, a guitarist and a djembe. And some songs, in my opinion, the best songs work, uh, you know, stripped down to uh, just a guitarist or <coughs> and a djembe. But some songs, you, you need that production. And so for that, for, or, or maybe the band is just not that skilled to be able to pull it off. Um, so then I would just say rather skip those songs, you know, stick with what's simple, stick with what's singable. And in terms of singable things, also with the songs in appropriate keys, you know, it's great if the worship leader can hit that high C, uh, but can the rest of the congregation? And so it's important to choose songs and keys that work for both, both the band so that the band can sing with confidence, but also the congregation. Um, Another question is, were the songs in season for the congregation? You know, there's a specific journey that God is busy with us right now as a church. So are the songs that we're singing in line with that season? This is all stuff to think about as you're choosing songs, worship leaders. Um, Next is to ask, were the songs appropriate for the general demographic and the culture of the congregation and for the occasion? I mean, you're not going to sing. You're going to sing very specific songs at weddings and very specific songs at funerals. And also in terms of different demographics, uh, you know, depending on if you're at a youth service or if you're at a Sunday service, which is the whole mix, uh, or just different cultures coming together, you're going to be uh, sensitive to those things in terms of the songs that you choose. Next is to ask if the the songs work together theme-wise, you know, that we weren't jumping too much in terms of like singing about one theme now and then something very different the next. Uh, but you want a bit of a golden thread running through uh, through the songs. Uh, also important is to make sure that we've got all types of songs there in terms of have we got praise songs, have we got Thanksgiving songs, have we got worship songs? Are we are we covering the full spectrum in a sense? Uh, and are we allowing them to flow together well so that you know it flows naturally from one to the other? And the, and the last question here is an important one for me is, is was the overall, overall meditation of the songs as a whole about and directed towards God rather than focusing on the people? I know this is a tricky one. Uh, I fully agree with and believe in singing. Uh, some people call them horizontal songs, which is, you know, songs of faith and songs declaring who God is to me and what he's done in my life. Uh, and just, you know, more personal songs, I guess. 
Uh, I fully believe in, those, in the power of those songs. But if you look at the set list as a whole, five or six songs, where is my attention being drawn? Is it being drawn to myself or is it being drawn to God? Because worship is about God. And uh, I would hope that at the end of our set list, people have a, they're more inspired to cast their eyes to, to look to Jesus than to look inwardly uh, because of the songs that, that we sing. Okay, we've gone through five areas now. We've got six to go, but we're going to speed up um, to get through this nice and quickly. So the next area that we're going to look at is interaction with the congregation. And the principle here is that the manner in which we interact with the congregation communicates how we value and we love them. So our communication is important. First question is, was the worship leader able to read the congregation's engagement? Um, this is just about becoming aware, you know, of the people that are in front of us. And I know it's tempting in the beginning as a nervous worship leader, you just want to shut your eyes and hope that the people are singing with you. But it's important to, to really trust God to begin to move to a place where you are able to open your eyes and be present to what is happening in the room and read the congregation and see if you're kind of leaving them completely behind, then you need to slow down or repeat something. Uh, or it to also to be able to see, you know, they're running ahead of the band, so let's, let's go for it. Let's build as they're building kind of thing. Um, second question is, did the worship leader communicate clearly, lovingly, and joyfully when speaking to the congregation? Uh, I think we've all been in services where the worship leader kind of speaks down to the congregation or uh, the worship leader is maybe... Uh, kind of, come on people, worship now. And we all understand that, but that's not how we love people. That's not how we serve people. We speak lovingly, gently, joyfully to them. Also encourage worship leaders, keep the communication brief and keep it relevant and leave the preaching to the pastor. All right. <laughs> uh, it's sometimes tempting to want to bring out that sermon that you've you kind of got on your heart, but keep the communication brief and relevant. Also to ask, was the worship leader inclusive in their communication? So in other words, we're speaking about us and our here. We're here for corporate worship. So it's not about me and my uh, whatever. Uh, and it's especially not about me and my as in the worship leader's personal, uh, whatever he wants to share. It's about us and what God wants to do with us uh, together. It's important to be inclusive. Also, was the worship leader invitational in their communication? Avoiding commands. So this is, this is something I, I encourage you. If, you. if you feel in your heart, and I've had this before many times, where I feel there's going to be something, that, there's going to be a powerful shift if we just raise our hands to God in this moment. But we never force people into that. We don't say, everybody raise your hands. Um, we invite people into it. So I'll always say, you know, if you're comfortable to do this, I just want to invite you. I feel God is going to bring a breakthrough just as we raise our hands to Him. So you make it invitational. You don't command people. Then did, the did any of the musicians cause any distraction by kind of attracting attention to themselves? And I know this can be a bit subjective because sometimes musicians are just really worshiping with all of their hearts. And that's awesome. I want to encourage musicians, you've, you've got to worship with everything on so inside you. You've got to inspire people to worship by the way that you worship. Uh, but at the same time, we don't want to be uh, a distraction. We don't want to be a stumbling block to somebody. And then lastly, an important one, either for the, somebody in the band or for the pastor, was there an invitation given to take part and to make a contribution? You know, it's not just about the people in the front, the band and the pastor uh, sharing 
their, from their wisdom and their anointing. It's about all of us coming together. It's about the body of believers. And there will be, we trust God for prophetic words, for encouragement, for scriptures, for, for prayer to come even out of the congregation. But it's important to create space for that. That, that said, it needs to be part of your church culture. So that's something that your pastor sets. Uh, you know, some services are just really short. Uh, so there's not really time for that. But hopefully there is a space somewhere in your church events uh, or services where you can invite the congregation to come in and take part by, you know, is there anyone here with a word on their heart? Cool. The next section kind of flowing from that is, is to speak about prophetic flow. And the, the principle here is that we treasure the presence and the voice of God in our midst. And we're willing to put our agendas aside to follow as the Spirit leads us. So the first question to ask is, is was the band or the worship team, were they sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit? Were they, were they willing to wait or to move on rather than just running through a pre-planned set list? And you know, all of us, we see in part and we, we hear in part. So it, you can't really say whether somebody was sensitive or not because we've got different ideas. We've got different, uh, the same situation, people read it differently. Um, but I think the idea with this is just that, was the worship team willing to change things, to, to, to wait or to move on rather than just running through, this is how we practice it, so this is how we're going to do it. And then importantly, was the band sensitive to follow and support the worship leader uh, or the pastor as they facilitated what the Holy Spirit was doing? So in other words, Holy Spirit is doing something that the worship leader uh, is kind of facilitating this moment, but then the drummer has his eyes closed and he isn't supporting what's happening or the electric guitarist is thinking about his exams coming up in the week and so he's not present to what God is doing in the moment so it's important that there's that communication and flow as well and a last one just a practical one is or question was was there clear direction given as to how to respond appropriately in the moment uh, and this is just something I, I've learned over the years is that the congregation wants direction they want communication uh, you know, you don't want to be somebody who's saying the whole time what they must do and what they must say and what they must pray. Um, but they do want to know that, okay, this is a, a moment of silence. So let's be silent, you know, for the moment so that people aren't wondering, are we being silent now? Or, you know, uh, or if you feel that the congregation must sing their own song to God to announce that and to give direction to that. So let's lift up our own song to God so that they're not, there's not half of them wondering, is this a song that's supposed to be on the screen, but the projector guy forgot the words? You know, give some direction. All right, we're almost there. The next section we're going to look at is interaction with the pastor. And the principle here is that God establishes order in his church. And since the pastor is ultimately responsible for the flow of the service, the worship team submits to his or to her direction. So the first question is, very practical. Did the worship leader look at the pastor? Were their eyes open for cues or for direction? I think all of us have seen those, those moments where the worship leader's eyes are tightly, tightly shut and the poor pastor is like waving flags and all sorts of things at them trying to get their attention to say, uh, you know, move on to the next song or whatever the direction is. So worship leaders, keep your eyes open and, and just be aware of the pastor as well. Uh, and then also importantly, submit to the direction of the pastor. You know, it's, it's, and this is a tricky one. When you feel something as a worship leader that it needs to go in this direction and then the pastor feels something in the opposite direction, boys in your heart, remember, 
they are responsible for the service, I will choose to submit to them. Uh, and you're welcome to have that conversation afterwards to say, listen, this is what I felt in my heart. Did I miss it or, or something? Just because you want to build a relationship with your pastor. That's the best way because then you learn to trust one another. Um, but it's important that we submit to the direction that the pastor gives. Okay, three more quick ones to go. And the, the, the next one and next area we're going to look at is, is the altar call and the ministry. And the principle here is that we treasure the work of the Holy Spirit during altar calls and during ministry time. And we plan well to facilitate those moments effectively. So something easy, uh, practical is when the pastor asked the people to stand, did somebody like a keyboardist or a worship leader on a guitar, did they walk to the stage to um, go and play something while the pastor was making an invitation for an altar call or for ministry time? And I want to say be sensitive with this because sometimes there's those holy moments where you just know the presence of God is so tangible and you don't really want to uh, distract with a pad now or picking, you know, just be sensitive in the moment. But as a general rule, you know, it's nice to have somebody to come up just to play gently there in the background. And the next one is a, is a really important one and something that's... That, that's important to grow in as a worship leader is to ask were the song choices during the ministry appropriate for the response of the article or for the sermon. So in other words, if the pastor is giving a, an article for people who are really struggling with fear, uh, it would be great if the worship leaders prepared with songs that, um, that kind of deal with that or the you know, speak about putting our trust in God and we're not going to fear, we're no longer slaves to fear, fear, that kind of thing. And you wouldn't necessarily have chosen those on your set list or as extras. So the whole time while the sermon is, 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 is happening, I'm constantly just bouncing off God and off the Holy Spirit. Lord, what is it that you're wanting us to sing? What is it that you, what would facilitate what you want to do in ministry time? Uh, but that means having a bunch of songs kind of in your repertoire that you know out of your head uh, and that the band knows out of their head. Uh, that you can yeah, that you can go into easily, whether it's a consecration song or a song about His holiness, or uh, you know, just be ready for the right song because it makes such a difference when we're not just singing something random at the end, but we're singing something that ties in with the message of the article of the sermon. And then just something really practical is to be aware of the volume with which uh, you're playing these songs during ministry time. Sometimes there's people praying in front and they can't hear because the band is blasting. Uh, no longer slaves over their, over their heads. And then the person being prayed for actually is being distracted because they can't hear the, the prayers that are being prayed for them. So just be sensitive to that, depending on how your church is laid out. Second and last one, sound mixing. Right, the principle here is that the sound team is an integral part of the worship team. Can anybody say amen? And their training and their effective ministry are crucial to the worship service. So here you just want to be aware of, you know, Three things. Was the volume right? You know, it wasn't too, too loud. Uh, it wasn't too soft. And then was the sound mix well balanced? Were we able to hear everything? Uh, and were there any distractions? Things like feedback or noises. And, you know, sound is a difficult area. It's difficult to find volunteers for. It's hard work. It's technical. Um, it's really a challenging area to serve in church. So it's really important that we equip our sound men uh, sound men and women, that we train them well uh, so that we can get those things right. And then the last one, kind of in the same line, is, is the lyrics projection. And the principle here, again, the media team, they're an integral part of the worship team. And it's so important that we train them. 
So in other words, when you're thinking about the worship service, were the, were the lyrics projected in a way that was easy to read? You know, there wasn't spelling mistakes. There wasn't inconsistent formatting that made the words distracting. Uh, the songs came up when they were supposed to come up. They were, came up in the correct order. And this is something I'm very passionate about. Did the lyrics prompt the congregation by appearing a few seconds before they were sung? Uh, so in other words, you know, you don't want to, the worship leader, often the worship leader will start singing the line and as he starts, then the words appear. But you actually want those words a few seconds earlier just so the congregation has a moment to read them uh, before they ha actually have to sing them. All right, so that's, 11, we made it. I feel like I just ran a marathon. Uh, 11 areas in church that small changes can make big differences. It's just about being aware. It's about being intentional. Please, again, hear my heart. It's not about performance. It's not about ticking boxes. It's not about assessing people. It's not about, this is not a KPI, you know. Yeah, we're, we're, we're dealing with volunteers who are bringing their heart, who are bringing their worship. Um, but at the same time, let's trust God to, to show us, to shine His light on, on those small areas that we can make changes so that people are able to engage in worship, people are able to see Him. We, we're just minimizing the distractions so that God can come and do what He wants to do in, in, in our services. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, I really hope that it was a blessing to you. And I look forward to having a guest next time because it's really quite awkward talking to yourself for half an hour or 40 minutes. <laughs> Bless you. Till next time. Thank you for joining the Spirit Truth Podcast. Check out chauffeurband.com for music and resources. You can also subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it on iTunes and share it with your friends on social media.